Welcome to Superintendent Radio Network. I'm Guy Cipriano. We're continuing our Tartan Talk series by having a conversation with John Culligan. And this podcast resembles a wild game of poker. Nah, I'm just kidding. But I'm holding in my hand a poker chip that's shaped like a ball mark that John gave me while touring one of his projects in Texas earlier this year. And the chip has his name, phone number, and email address on it. So I thought it would be great to contact him about doing a podcast that's focused on basically an entire career spent making golf better in Texas. We're going to discuss some of the projects John has done in the Lone Star State, and we're going to discuss how John has made enjoyable golf the focus of that business. But before we get going with John, we'd like to thank Better Billy Bunker for supporting this podcast. Better Billy Bunker is not only a big supporter of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. Better Billy Bunker supports a number of industry efforts, including the work of golf course superintendents. So we're glad that they're on board, and we're glad that John was able to take some time to join us, especially considering he's in Texas, and we recorded this during the week college football started. Well, John, thanks for joining us. It's awesome to have you on the podcast. We actually got to meet in person earlier this year. You took me around Texas Rangers golf club, which was a great experience. But the first thing I want to ask you about is when I met you, you handed me a business card that looks like a poker chip. It might be a ball mark. I'm not sure if it's a ball mark or poker chip, but it's a great idea. And where did you get that idea from? And when you're an architect, how important is it to do little things like that to differentiate yourself from others? Oh, I don't, I don't know that it's that important, but I mean, that was, you know, a lot of the golf courses have the little poker chips and uh, I, guess, I guess people use them for ball marks. I mean, they're, you know, if you're putting them on a green, they're more like a sewer lid. But, uh, no, it's something that my associate, Trey Kemp, and I kind of uh, thought this, this might be a neat little little deal. I just, uh, you know, I tell everybody they're worth 500000 bucks a piece, and if you can find a place to cash it, just let me know. We'll, we'll all retire. Well. So I got $500,000 in equity sitting in front of me in this podcast booth exactly. right now. That's, that just made my week. <laughs> no, but on a, on a serious note, you and Trey have been doing outstanding work in Texas now for a long time. But one of the things that really strikes me is when you go onto your website, uh, you kind of have a motto or mission statement. It says, golf should be enjoyed, not endured. How do those six words shape you and Trey's work? Well, uh, I just think that the game hard enough in and of itself, I mean, without tricking it up. Uh, I mean, it, if you really look at it, it's easy to design a hard golf course. Uh, the, the challenge for us is design, to design one that's challenging for all levels. I mean, you, I've never heard anybody complain about shooting too low a score. I know that. So uh, need, need to design a golf course that uh, people can go out and enjoy. And then on the business side of it, you know, if they enjoy it, then they're going to come back and play again and again and, and uh, perhaps buy a, a tee after the round or, or whatever their preference is. So uh, I, ju I just, uh, you know, I, I've just seen for, for a long time in my earlier years, I've been at this for almost 35 now, but uh, in my earlier years, you know, it seemed like everybody was trying to make golf courses harder and longer. And, uh, you know, I just... I, I like the old Pontiac slogan, wider is better. So, uh, again, that, that enjoyed, not endured. I think uh, if more architects kind of thought 
that way that I, th- I think we'd have uh, wouldn't have quite the industry issues that we have today. You bring up a great point about with what are some of the things you've done on some of your projects here in the last few years to incorporate with into an existing golf course? Um, well, you know, again, they need to be user friendly. Uh, fairways that are more collector fairways, greens that accept shots, or if you miss a green, it keeps it close. I mean, I. Uh, one of the biggest compliments I've had a few times in my career is that, you know, gosh, I played your course and I just, I had my best round ever. You know, that's, that's what I like to hear. Um, and, uh, you know, some, besides being user-friendly, I, I don't think a golf course, I think more people play golf because of the aesthetic appeal of the game, what the superintendents do day in and day out to make the golf courses beautiful when we lay them out, we try to take advantage of whether they're views in the distance of a city or views in the distance of uh, mountains or what what have you. But look at those things, placement of, of bunkers. Uh, just again, you can't you can't have uh, I don't think too too pretty a golf course. I I like to say that uh, the perfect golf course is like the perfect wife. Or, or husband, if you're of the other gender, that should be easy on the eye and not too hard to get along with. That's a lot to process there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you're based in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and you've done projects of all levels throughout the state of Texas, including that area. Do you ever show up at the some of the public and municipal facilities you've worked on just as a customer and do you just go around and asking people what they think have you ever gone in incognito to where you've done work to get a gauge of how golfers feel about your work uh, i've never really gone undercover <laughs> so to so to speak but mm-hmm. but i mean sometimes we'll we'll uh mm-hmm. my wife and i'll go out she's she's a bigger golfer than i am um but We'll go out as a twosome, and we'll we'll play one of the municipal courses, and and they'll pair us up with you know some people, and and you know they'll be talking about how much they like the courses, that and the other, and I'll I'll make a comment kind of off the wall like that's a great answer, or they'll hit a good shot and maybe get a good bounce, and I'll say well that's just great design there, and they're looking at me like what are you talking about, and then, and uh, you know sometimes they'll say well do you play out here a lot, and I'll I'll say, well, look, if you look at the card, I play out here so much they put my name on the card. So, but, uh, no, I mean, we, we love to go out to, uh, you know, all of I mean, yeah, they're like children to me. Uh, go out and see how they're maturing, see how people like them, see what, what you might could do better, uh, what's working, what's not working. So, you know, it's, it's constantly learning. Uh, with your wife being an avid golfer, does she give you feedback on your work, and how do you handle feedback from from your wife? <laughs> well, I don't know. She, you know, she tends to, I think, enjoy again our product. I mean, she. I'm not going to name names, but we played one course. wasn't anything I did. Uh, private, private place. But uh, I've never seen her cry after a round of golf. She she broke down in tears. It was so hard, and she was so frustrated. Uh, so, you know those that 
you know, that, that, that's not what it's all about. I mean, if we're going to, if, if this industry is going to survive and, and attract people, I mean, it's got to be something that they've got a big smile on their face when they get finished playing while they're playing uh, and then come back for more. You've been in this for 35 years. Early in your career, did you focus as much on enjoyment when you get into the business and you're young? Do you want to design a difficult golf course? Do you want to see see people challenge, or is that something you – Getting an enjoyable design, is, is that something that comes when you mellow over the course of a career? <laughs> well, that, that's a great question because, you know, back uh, you know, back when they were building or opening three to 400 new courses a year, uh, back in the 80s and, and uh, early 90s, I guess, there were people out there, you know, Pete Dye, mm-hmm. Robert Von Hagee, uh, you know, the, those guys were designing some some really quirky things, and and so you're, you know, maybe trying to mimic what you thought were some of the great designs. And I'll always say Pete's, you know, Pete's one of the greatest, and he's done one hell of a job for the in- golf industry. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't really think tried to make it hard. I mean, I think you know, I came out of a school where. You look at strategy, uh, challenge again from the various T's, and I, I just, you know, I, 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 I've never leaned towards the difficulty, more of the challenge. You know, there's a big difference between a course being difficult and a course being challenging, and I think, I think I've always sort of uh, felt like, you know, challenge, especially from the, the back tee for the, the lower handicap player is a good thing, and then open it up uh, to where it's more friendly for the, for the from the forward tees and for the higher handicap player. John, where does your interest for golf stem from? Oh, you know, my dad got me started uh, as, a, as a youngster. I guess I was about 10 years old. Um, you know, we started at a public course in Dallas. Uh, it was called Elm Fork back then and got changed to LB Houston and then Trey and I had the opportunity to renovate the course where I started playing golf with my father, which was a joy. Um, you know, great old memories of my dad and myself out there. Uh, it's called Luna Vista now. Uh, so, and then, and my, my father is not a big country club sort of guy. He, he he's more of a blue collar guy, and and but he just up. He joined Brookhaven in, in Dallas. Um, I don't know. I might have been 12 or 13 at the time. Um, and then later on in life, he, he I, I was probably 45 or 50, and, and he said, did, did you ever wonder why I joined Brookhaven? And I, I said, well, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of odd that you'd want to be a member of a country club. He says, well, I just thought you'd, you'd meet a better class of people at the golf course than you would the bowling alley. <laughs> And unbeknownst to him, I you know end up working in the golf industry. So uh, that that is pretty sharp. When did you work at Luna Vista, and what type of memories go through your head when you're working at the course that you learned the game at? Oh gosh, um, I think we worked on Luna Vista in uh, 12, 2012, 2013, somewhere somewhere in there. Um, I mean, everything runs through your head. I mean, you think about certain things my, my dad used to bring our big german shepherd along <laughs> and he'd, he'd be the first one 
off the tee every morning. I mean, he was a dew sweeper, and so I got I got to got to enjoy that. I'm sure the super uh, superintendent wasn't happy to see him out there chasing the mowers, but uh, but no, it, it it was just you know just a joy. I mean, everything everything goes through you when you you just you think of certain moments and there certain things that happened at certain points in time out there with your dad and and, and the German Shepherd and. And all of those sorts of things. So it was really, it was a pleasure, uh, you know. And I've, I've had some some really good experiences from that that along those lines through through my career. How closely does the course resemble the one that you played as a child? Now, uh, quite a bit. I mean, the layout's basically the same. We uh, changed a couple of holes. There was a uh, three and four. Uh, there was a snap dogleg right that endangered a, a, a green at one time, and so we turned. We went from a a four three to a three four uh, in order to avoid that snap dogleg. But uh, we we there were a lot of forced carries. They had uh, ditches that ran across some of the fairways, so we covered those up and made the course more user friendly. Uh, you know that those sorts of things, just to, and then we reshaped all the green complexes and, and added a little uh, pizzazz or sex appeal to the to the greens and the whole golf course. And so it's, I mean, it, it's still in my mind, it's still pretty much the same golf course. It just has, uh, like I say, a lot more aesthetic appeal to it, and it's more playable, much more playable than it used to be. Another project that's very personal for you is the Texas Rangers Golf Club. Uh, myself and our managing editor, Matt Lowell, were fortunate enough to visit the course this spring and spend some time with you and uh, Superintendent Brick Scott. For our listeners that maybe missed the story or haven't heard about it, explain what Texas Rangers Golf Club is all about. Well, you know, I've, I've lived in, in Arlington since 74. Uh, so, um, you know, and I, I figure I'll probably uh, take it to the goal line here in Arlington. Uh, but... You know, it, the golf course used to be uh, called Chester W. Ditto, and uh, it, on 164 acres, and it was about 6,400 yards long. And you know, we so the, the project with the city decided they were going to renovate the golf course, and you know, Trey and I got together and said, "Hey, we're we're pulling out all the stops. We this is one. I, and, you know, if." if I've got to get this one. You know, we've got to get this one. I mean, I. Uh, so, I mean, fortunately, the city saw fit to, to hire a hometown boy, and and, uh, and and Trey also went to the University of Texas Arlington. He got his graduate degree there, so he's he's somewhat partial to Arlington. But but uh, as I said, I'm probably going to live my life out here, and and. Uh, I mean, I, people don't think it's there's a lot of pressure when you're designing a golf course, but when you're designing one in your hometown, and and I'm thinking, you know, last thing I need is to be walking down the street and people are are looking at looking at me and they're going, "There's that guy that screwed up, Ditto." <laughs> so, uh, you know, we we really, I mean, on top of that, the Rangers, Texas Rangers name on it, um, you know city of arlington i mean it's just a a lot of things rolled into one i mean it's it, it's a great project for us and and something we're very proud of and and uh have been 
us to kind of kind of gave us a little leash, and I, I think they're happy they did because we've I think we've come up with a product that uh, is going to work well for them. Uh, Brick's doing a great job. You know, the city just has to give him the resources to do what he needs to do, and uh, things will be fine. A lot of things uh, struck me as very impressive about Texas Rangers Golf Club when we had a chance to go around it. Uh, The first thing that immediately caught my eye was the size of the practice facilities. How important was it to make those what they are, and uh, how do you think that that will help not only that course's success, but any course that invests in spacious practice facilities? How important are those these days? I've always, I I used, when I've worked with another firm for for 12 years before I set out on my own, and, uh, you know, I kind of used to get, chastised for you know focusing a lot on practice facilities and i just even way back in the day back in the uh the early 80s i thought you know practice is important and and sure enough you know it's really come to full full circle here i mean the the one at rangers is 23 acres it's a double-ended range it's 340 yards long uh you know it's We've got a short game area with four greens. I mean, it's just and and now uh, some golf schools are coming in. Uh, we've got a practice hole. There uh, fairly major golf instructors coming in, and and uh, that's helping. You know, just the, the marketing of the whole golf course. Uh, I, I don't think you know, and then the practice range itself is. You know, the targets are. It looks like they're. It, you know, we've designed it to where it appears that there's sand bunkers out there. They're actually bunkers with a liner in that have been painted white, but uh, it gives the appearance that they're a, a real, realistic target, and you know, it, and they function from both ends of the range. So, um, give you some options to practice in various wind directions. So it's it's uh, you know it's a great it's a great setup, and then then uh, as you saw, we have the on deck circle where. You know, we have the Texas Rangers logo on a 30-foot diameter uh, artificial turf pad where and, you, know, you can go up, right. it's right next to the first tee, and you can hit a few warm-up drives if you're, if you're getting there late and you just want to hit a few shots. So uh, I think all in all, it's going to be a, a fairly successful uh, item for the club or for the, the city. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a moneymaker for them. You know, people can drive up. They can park their car right there next to the range, uh, pick up some balls, and, and go out there and practice to their heart's content. Maybe you're an anomaly when it comes to this, and maybe I'm not asking the right person this question, but how tough is it for a golf course architect to sacrifice some course acreage for the good of the, the, the practice facility and maybe the good for the facility's bottom line? several concepts for the city of Arlington. You know, when you're working with the city, you have public meetings and you have public input and they're, you know, they're, I mean, the maintenance building, obviously we want the maintenance building centrally located, preferably close to number one green. Well, you know, that some, some people there got upset. You know, anyway, we ended up moving all sorts of things around. You know, whenever you move one thing, it's like a dominoes, everything else moves around on a, on a golf course, but um, I don't think we—I don't think it was a sacrifice so much. Uh, we did have to 
I mean, again, we had a 164-acre site before the practice range might have been five acres, um, maybe. Uh, but so we ended up having to remove uh, many trees, I'll just say that, in order to create the space we needed, A, for the practice facility, and B, the city gave us a wish list. They wanted the course to be over 7,000 yards long. They wanted at least one par five to be 600 yards. You know, we, they, they gave us all of this these things that we put into our our pot and stirred and then we you know we we came out with a with several designs and uh you know we ended up with the one that you saw but uh what you didn't see were all the options that came before that uh based on different maintenance building locations and what have you so uh it, it's uh I, I don't think it was a sacrifice i think it, it's something that that Really, the practice facility is better. There may be one other club, a uh, private club in the Metroplex that has as good a practice facility. Um, but, uh, you know, not there are not many private, I mean, private clubs that love to have this practice facility. And, and, again, practice is something that's become more important. Nice practice facilities, short game areas, you know, while people's, uh, you know, their time is valuable. They can go out and hit some balls, work on their short game, and then go back to work. But uh, so I think it's going to be something that's going to be very profitable for the golf course, and and something that uh, you, know, I, you know I think every every course wishes they could have. Another thing that struck me about my time at the Metroplex is just how big some of the cities are. It's just not Dallas and Fort Worth. I mean Arlington would maybe be the biggest city in some states. Now you're working at another Metroplex city, Irving. Explain your work there, and what can you tell our listeners about Irving Golf Club? Well, you know, we've been talking about Rangers, and, and you know, the Rangers Golf Club, as I said, has a lot of trees on it, a lot of topography. Uh, you know, it has some, some views in various directions. Um, Irving... Uh, is in a floodplain. It's right next to the Trinity River. Uh, very few trees of any uh, any size. I'll just say that most of them are volunteers, say cottonwood or and or uh, black willow trees that are more suitable to uh, wet areas. But it's uh, it's it's a, an interesting golf course from the standpoint that. As opposed to Rangers, which is more of a Parkland course, Irving Golf Club is more of a Lynx style course, and that's what the site the site kind of dictated. I mean, you're not going to make a Parkland course out of a site that's you know pretty much flat with with uh, that's void of, of vegetation, if you will. So uh, I, th- I think I mean I'm, they're going to have a, uh, a kind of a grand opening or a soft opening, let's say. Uh, this Friday out out at uh, the Irving Golf Club, and uh, I, I really think it's going to be very well received from the standpoint of it's it's a very unique golf course in our marketplace, and and again it goes back to business and marketing for the golf courses. Uh, you know we've been fortunate to do Stevens Park uh, for the city of Dallas, which is again more of a smaller scale Parkland style course. 
the Irving Golf Club is is wide open, wide fairways. The features are more link style, and uh, as I've told people, you know, you'll you'll be able to go out and play, get a taste of what Lynx golf is like without having to buy a you know a thousand dollar plane ticket and go over to uh, Ireland or Scotland. You're based in the Metroplex. You're from the Metroplex. How does it help you? do some of these projects, especially at the, at the public level. I feel like Trey and I both have an understanding for, you know, what the market is. Uh, you know, I had one client that said, well, we're, we're going to go with somebody else because we think you've saturated the market. But I think it's important that we understand the market. And like I said, Irving Golf Club is going to be a link style golf course, uh, unique to the market. Uh, Stevens Park uh, was a course that was doing 29,000 rounds when when we before we started it. Now they're doing close to 60,000 rounds a year, um, and I think you know a good part of that is just an understanding of the market. So I think the fact that you know I've I've, I've lived I grew up pretty much in Dallas and and have lived in Arlington as I said since '74. I, I I know what all the courses are like around here. I've been fortunate enough to uh, be enough of a a golfer, I won't say I was ever a player, but but uh, that you know I like to get around and see all the courses everywhere. Been fortunate, you know, as a member of the American Society of Golf Course Architects, I've, I've had a great opportunity to travel the world and see the best courses in the world and play them. So all of those things, again, give us an opportunity when a client hires us to do their their course. We're, I tell people we're not a one-trick pony. You can go to any of our courses and look at them, and you can't tell that the same two guys were involved with the design of those courses. So, I mean that, and that's that's part of the fun of it for us is that you take a you take a project and you make it unique. You make it uh, unique in the marketplace so that uh, they have an opportunity to uh, attract players. You've not only worked in the Metroplex, you've worked in a place that a lot of us have never been, West Texas. W- what is that like? What are some wild travel stories you have going to the western part of your giant state? Oh, gosh. I, you know, I don't know if they're wild stories, but, I mean, just driving out to out to West Texas is a, is a, a challenge in and of itself. But, uh, you know, I tend, to, I tend to be more of a urban. Maybe not as much of a road warrior as I used to be, but uh, Trey, on the other hand, is uh, yeah he's from Amarillo, and again, one of those things where the stars aligned. The city of Amarillo had a project. Trey grew up in Amarillo and played the course as a as a youngster, and so he got to uh, renovate, and I mean he. He did a great job on the rerouting of the golf course. So, uh, he's a crackerjack, especially when it comes to rerouting golf courses uh, and, and making making them better and and not and keeping the cost and you know aligned, not uh, not busting the budget. But uh, no, we've we've gone out to uh, Amarillo and and uh, Odessa and and uh, you know. So we, we we've been out in West Texas at uh, Lubbock. We we do a uh, we do quite a bit of work out in Lubbock. I don't know if there are any wild stories about it, but uh, not any that I can tell. You know, 
tell you. Has oil or natural gas ever been found on a site you've been working on? Out in Odessa, uh, one of the projects uh, have had many, many wells on it, and I tell you what, it's a challenge because they're running, you know, uh, gas lines and oil well, uh, oil lines all across these properties, and if you if you even look at them funny, I mean, they're, they're out there uh, riding herd on you. Uh, so you have to be really careful. We've got uh, we've got one project that uh, that hasn't quite hadn't started yet, but uh, it, it's got the pump jacks on them. If you're familiar with a pump jack, that rocks back and forth, looks like a big rocking horse. Uh, you know, and Trey Trey came up with a great great name for that called he he wants he wants to rename it call it the the nodding donkey. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, um, yeah, I don't, you know, most of the sites we've worked on, I, we've never discovered oil or gas, but uh, had one project where uh, the owner didn't tell us there was a gas line running across the property, and uh, fortunately, one of the old timers brought it up when the contractor was starting to move some material. Said, "Hey." There's no gas line down there, you know, because uh, that that could have ended that project. I mean, it's a major gas line. Could have could have uh, ended that project, and, and no telling what else uh, had had we not discovered that line. So it's that's uh, that's dicey stuff there. You've mentioned your associate Trey Camp numerous times throughout this podcast. How did identifying and selecting the right partner help your business? Well, <laughs> I, I, fortunately, Trey's very persistent, and uh, I didn't select him. He, I mean, again, the stars just aligned. He, I had another young man that worked with me for seven years, and then he decided he wanted to be a landscape architect, so he left, and I was just, that's when things were start, starting to be a downturn, 2007, uh, right in that that time frame uh and i was just gonna you know be a one-man shop for a while and see how it went and trey came in he called me he texted me he emailed me he sent smoke signals i mean he would not give up and i just i finally said okay trey we're gonna, we're gonna give it a shot and and it's been katie bar the door ever since i mean it's just been nothing but uh you know for the last 11 years we've been we've been rocking and rolling been so lucky even in the downturn uh then you know we did a lot of municipal work at that point in time but uh anyway it's it trey is uh you know again i tell everybody he's a godsend and you know he just uh very very sharp young man and and uh i i, I tell everybody he's the brains of the organization i'm just the eye candy <laughs> in your area, you spend a lot of time interacting with superintendents, and you're involved in the local superintendent chapter. How how has that helped your business, and how has that helped you as a golf course architect, spending so much time with golf course superintendents and investing in what they do? Yeah, I've been a member of the North Texas Superintendents Association for 35 years. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's it's helped 
our business, I think, from from the standpoint of they they know we're not just uh, you know just going to the meetings and and uh, you know uh, trying and being affiliated with them just just for, from a business standpoint though I've, I've served on the on the board for a number of years um, you know so been actively involved with the with the superintendents association we're also a member of the central texas group you know, the logistics don't work out as well for them as the north texas group does but more than anything I, you know the superintendents uh, are, are one of the hardest working and at the same time fun loving group of guys that i've ever met and uh you know i don't i don't know about the hard working part but i tend to be a little fun loving and uh we, you know, I, I I can't tell. I don't know how many friends, really great friends, uh, I've got that are superintendents, and and it's just uh, something that's been really rewarding uh, over the years to have uh, that many friends, and and they're in the industry, so you have something in common there. But uh, you know, I, I really uh, have appreciated the fact that, uh, and and feel so fortunate that I. I They've allowed me to be a part of their organization over the last 35 years. When you and Trey leave a site, it's up to the golf course superintendent and his or her team to make that site shine. When you're doing the design and construction process, how, mu- how much input do you give the superintendent, and what type of dialogue do you, do you have with him and her throughout the process? Well, hopefully, as with Texas Rangers, uh, they'll allow the superintendent to be out there on site pretty much full time. I mean, that's that's what we in our contractual agreements we do what we call construction observation. But we want the owner, city of Arlington, in this case, to have an owner's representative, which was Brick Scott. And uh, no, we. Uh, yeah, we we would go to Brick. I mean, we were talked. We, you, you witnessed the bunker styles out there. I mean, they're not not a lot of big flash on them, which you know, obviously most, especially municipal superintendents, don't like. You know, have to deal with that. But uh, you know, we've got some unique shapes, if you will, on the edges of the bunkers, which require maybe a little bit more maintenance. And then at the same time, we decided to go with buffalo grass on the on the faces of those bunkers to try to keep the maintenance level down, not as much edging, uh, not as much mowing up around the bunkers. So, uh, you know, Brick was part of that process, and Brick pushed hard uh, to help get that buffalo grass in there. Working with us, with the city, they, you know, the the, the city council doesn't necessarily understand buffalo grass from. Bermuda grass or fescue or anything else. So, you know, having the superintendent in there who can echo his his our our wants to the council and and kind of sell people on that. I mean, it, it's it's very critical to have the you know it's great to have the superintendent out there. And uh, we always you know it, it, I mean we there were a couple instances. Brick said no, let's let's tame that down just a little bit going to make it easier on me and that's fine i mean i we're you know i'm uh i'm 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 willing to to work with anybody he's got like say he's got to take care of it when it's all said and done and cities are not always uh 
the best about providing their superintendents with the the uh, labor resources or the money or any any of the, uh, the the things that they need to take care of a golf course, but they expect expect the golf course to be in pristine condition. So we're really in the the final quarter of 2019. Things are really humming along in Texas. There's a lot of construction and development going on. What does the rest of this year entail for your your firm, and what what does the future look like for you and Trey? There there is some construction going on. I mean, over in Frisco, the PGA has got their their two courses that are getting ready to start to the tune of uh, gosh, I don't know, I think sixty million dollars or something like that for two courses. I mean, just you know, that's that's uh, out of our. I mean, I'm, I'm I, I could probably spend sixty million dollars. I don't know how I'd do it, but. <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, really, there, there's a you know there there are a lot. It seems like there are a lot more people on the street. Uh, a lot of the big names have turned their underlings loose. Nicholas Fazio, uh, you know, Mr. Palmer, rest his soul. You know, some of his people are out, and they're all you know kind of waving the the big name banners. And uh, you know, I jokingly tell everybody I'm a bottom feeder. Just call me catfish. Oh. And, and uh, but no, we're you know it's 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 uh, it's it's a situation where we're we're you know, right now we're uh, responding to RFPs and and trying to drum up you know more work and and going out and meeting and talking to people. So you know it's uh, the rest of 2019 into 2020. I mean, I think it's going to be a you know be a battle for. Uh, to get the next project, next big project. I mean, we've got a few, a few things in the works, and uh, but you know, not. Uh, it, it hasn't been. We, we, you know, as I said, you know, for the last ten, eleven years, we've been going 100 miles an hour, uh, and when you slow down to 50 miles an hour, you feel like you're, you know, you've stopped. But uh, you know, we're. I think we've proven that we, you know, we provide a good product at a, at a good price point. For the owner, uh, worked with over 20 municipalities in the state of Texas, so we understand how to how the wheels turn in a, uh, a city from a city standpoint. Uh, they, you know, most of the time they turn kind of slow, but but that's okay. I mean, we we know how to deal with that, and uh, and we've been fortunate to work with some big name clubs, uh, some. Like uh, Rivercrest and and Fort Worth, and and we do a little work with Dallas National. So, um, you know, it we're gonna we're gonna do okay. I like to keep the overhead low, and and uh, when when things get a little lean, then then uh, have some money socked away for a rainy day. So we're we're gonna be okay. Uh, how awesome has it been to build a business uh, close to home and make golf better? In Texas, that's something that I, I, I've really never even thought about going going through the. It, I mean, especially starting in the business, but we've had a couple, two or three projects here lately. Uh, as I mentioned Stevens Park is one of them. Uh, the, the golf pro there, Jim Henderson, was was uh, before we did the project. He he started a landscape company and he was doing landscape installation and. And then when we, we got finished with the project, he was able to shut that down 
because he was he was he could make ends meet just being a golf pro and running everything and uh so i mean he's he's like our biggest cheerleader he just you know we've kind of turned his life around we've been able to to make an impact on on people's lives and that, that's something I've, I've never even really really thought about uh our what we do you know having that kind of impact on people and and it's fun to go out and see people enjoying your product i mean as i said we you know i, I went down to uh glen roses uh, last weekend uh one of my superintendent buddies there uh, allows me to park what i call the ranch house on his property so, 32-foot trailer, um, <laughs> but we go down there and, and play play golf for a couple of days, and then we've got probably four or five other courses in the area that that I've been fortunate enough to do work on over the years, and, and so we kind of spread it out and go to various courses and enjoy the golf, and again, it gives me an opportunity to see how things are going here and there. Last thing here, we are recording this podcast on the Monday before the college football season officially begins. I can't believe I got you on the podcast during this time. I thought maybe someone in Texas would be buried in Dave Campbell's Texas football right now. But in all seriousness, what, what is this week like, and how do you get people thinking about golf in the fall when, uh, when football means so much in your state? Well, that, that's a good question. I mean, between I, – I don't know how some people do it. I mean, they, you know, between football and, and golf and – and hunting season coming up, and uh, you know, it just fishing and everything that these folks have in their lives. I, I, I don't know how it, how it works out, but uh, no, all my uh, as, I, as I said, my Aggie buddies are uh, on pins and needles. Their game's Thursday night. Aggies playing, so uh, they're they're all fired up, and yeah, everybody's. Everybody's in a football mode, and, and uh, you know, of course, today it's supposed to be a temperature index of about 110 degrees, so uh, that's pretty easy to be inside and, not, and think about football and not think about golf. But, uh, you know, when, when you grow up in Texas, you kind of get acclimated to the heat. But uh, now football, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting. But it's, it's all over the country, you know, people – People all over the place. Ohio, the Ohio State is that is that a you know a official now? The Ohio State University. For those who don't know, golf course industry is based in Ohio, and yes, we hear a lot about the Ohio State University. <laughs> I've got a good buddy I play golf with from who went to school at the Ohio State University, and he never lets me forget it either. But it was pretty entertaining when our uh, little little college here, UTA. I don't know if I say little. I think we've got a. Uh, I think we've got forty thousand uh, enrolled at the school, but uh, our basketball team went up to the Ohio State University and beat them a couple years ago. So that was, uh, you know, some bragging rights for a little while, but that didn't last long. Well, for those people that haven't been to Texas, what might qualify as little in Texas is probably big in most other places. It, it quite. It's quite a unique place. And, John, it was great to have you on the podcast. Uh, thanks for taking the time to join us. And also thanks for the awesome tour of Texas Rangers Golf Club earlier this year. And hopefully we get a chance to make it back to the Metroplex soon. I hope you do, Guy. And, and again, thank you so much. And, and uh, thanks to all those superintendents out there who are 
making the making the golf world work.